0: and welcome to the seven elements of wellness podcast. I'm Trisha Marcus. And I'm Lacey Wall, aka L-Dub. We are the creators of the seven elements of wellness lifestyle
1: routine dedicated to helping you feel good more than you don't. The seven elements of wellness are spiritual, mental, emotional, relational, nutritional, physical, and financial. And what we found is that we're all living these elements how much attention are we giving each one because where your attention goes your energy flows when you combine them all and they flow together
0: it's powerful this is personal development combined with an overall wellness program after over 15 years spent on our own health and wellness journey and trying countless practices and modalities we discovered it's not woo woo it's wellness woo woo Each one of us is on our own path, and what resonates with one might not resonate with another. The purpose of this podcast is to save you time, money, and energy by bringing you the knowledge and the tools that can
1: help empower you and meet you where you're at. It's really a journey of self-love, a foundation to help you be the best version of yourself and let go of the version of you that tells you you're not. Learning to get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable and just be. Let's go. Let's see how many days in a row we can flow. Everyone
2: welcome to the podcast and here we are again for another amazing episode. Here we are
1: again. I'm excited. Hi friends. Yeah, today
2: we have Melody Ross. I recently met her through you and we had like a little art session with her at her house the three of us. It you was know? it was really
1: cool. So, tell me how you met Melody and Well, I met Melody through a friend of ours, Cammy Taylor, who is Wes Taylor's uh, mm-hmm. wife and she had come to my LW class and she had done the DNA actually and she's like, "You got to meet my friend Melody, she's so amazing I want to show her this and I just want to show you everything that she does she's an amazing person and the minute that I met Melody I was just like I was just like she's pure love yes she's pure love she's like uh she's like me she's a feeler she's a lover I just feel unconditional love yes and she's a creator and she's she's helped me with that emotional element that I'm a part of so much right and so she's helped me through uh creativity Right. Which is my jam. You know, that we all just it's all about love, Mm -hmm. about pure love. And so that's what I love about her art and her creativity. It's a it's a modality. It's a way it's a way to express myself and work, work yourself, work the energy and emotion through your body, just like dancing. Yes. It's she talks about that. It's about the flow, Mm -hmm. the finding the flow. And
2: so and she talked about how dancing is one way to do that and creating through art is another way to
1: do that. And it takes a lot of the stress out of it, I think. Right? Like when we got together and we were creating that art with, together with the little heart thing and yeah. the words. And you notice how it does just tune everything out. And that's something that I'm really focusing on is... To be in the present moment and to not think so much, yeah. And to how healing that is when you don't think, because we always, I think, get to this space where you want to solve and figure it out. And this is such a, it's such an amazing, beautiful way to just be able to not think, but be so creative, or just be in a flow, or just, just be. Yeah, just be, and you never know what's gonna happen. You're like in the present moment because you're like, I don't know what I want to make, and it just kind of comes to you. And you're like, I'm gonna put this word here, or I'm gonna make this this color. Yeah, you know, it's 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 beautiful, and it's a safe space to come together and. Heal for me. It was like, so she. What they're
0: talking about is she gave us like a foam heart. Now I have such a thing with creativity because I have never felt creative. I draw st- stick figures anytime there's craft project. Oh, that whole Pinteresty thing is like stressful to me. <laughs> I, I can't pick a paint color. So getting creative is just such a block for me. So just the anxiety of like how to even use the tools. <laughs> but. Yep. So I didn't even finish my project because I was it just it was too overwhelming. But I took it home and I have it sitting there with all the words and I keep looking at them and I keep reflecting. I'm like, who does this heart belong to? And kind of just makes you think of your story. It makes you reflect. It makes you go back when I don't take the time to do that because I am such a talker and a processor and a reader and that taking that creative time, I don't do Mm-hmm. So it made me want to kind of uh, practice more, <laughs> definitely practice more, take mm-hmm. the time to do that, because I, I could see how really it could cause a
2: lot of self-reflection. It's kind of like a way to journal without journaling. Mm
1: hmm. Indeed.
2: Well, this is a beautiful interview with so much information. And I was so drawn to her. And as we went work through this interview, I all I kept thinking was, wow, this is for men. This is for women. This is for children. This is for families. This is for friends. This is for everybody. A safe space to create an, a healing experience through creativity. So let's jump in with Melody Ross. Yes. Enjoy, friends. Melody Ross, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. I am so excited for you to share with us all of the beautiful things that you do. You are one of the most beautiful, colorful <laughs> people I have ever met. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just so thrilled you're here. So you are an art healer. You're also an author. You're a teacher. There's so many pieces to you. Tell us your story. Tell us about you.
3: Let us get to know you. Okay. Well, I'm 51 years old and, and I've lived a lot of life. Like Sometimes I think I've lived 10 lifetimes. <laughs> so (laughs) Lifetime. Um, I'm because I'm prolific because I I'm very creative. That's my therapy is creating. So I'm creating all the time. And so it's hard when people ask me what I do. Um, I actually have the word art healer trademarked, and that's what I teach people to do. So that's really my career at this point. But I've also written you know 20, 25 books. I've written 50 plus courses. I also have five children and six grandchildren. I've been married for 33 years. I was a lifetimer in Idaho, like four generations deep, and I'm living in St. George, Utah for about three, almost three and a half years now. And just kind of uh, re reinventing myself yet again. You know, th- th- I've, I used to feel bad about like re- having to reinvent myself. I have really come to the point where I'm like, this is just part of my life path is just creating something. And then either me getting, getting to a place where I'm re- done with it, or it just it kind of went up in flames. And even though I used to feel bad about that now, I think it's just part of of my journey is just creating really big, epic things. And then for whatever reason, starting over on something else. And so I I have done so many things. And at this point in my life, um, even though I've had big companies that I've run with a lot of employees, I'm a one woman show. And that's that's really I kind of like this. I kind of like where I'm at. So I've just done so, so many things. If you could pick one thing
2: that really established you to be where you are today. What, what would that be?
3: Well, I think that the common thread that runs through everything I've done, because I started to make art in my early 20s, and then I was a commercial artist before I was 30, designing products for companies all over the world, designing products for my own company, writing books, just doing all those things. The thing, the common thread that has run through everything is that I combine words with images, words with colors, words with something to um, bring forth a message through all of those different modalities. So I, a color is a language, and I am I'm really well known in my art for combining materials together that don't normally go together. So my art is very textural and it's a lot of things put together. I've been described before and self-described that I take a lot of things that people think are junk or chaos and I organize it into something beautiful. And that's really the basis of my work, too, is helping other people take the chaos of their lives and organizing it back and taking the raw materials of what you have. And especially when somebody's going through a transition and they think they've lost everything and they have nothing left. I like to sit down with them and show them how much they have left and how much raw material they have to create a brand new version of themselves that feels more authentic and true than anything that has ever—than that, that than they've ever felt. And, you know, and I, I have experienced that in my own life, and I think a lot of times when we have to teach something or when we get to teach something— We got the opportunity to live through it first. And I and a lot of times I think that's why so many things have happened in my life, you know, like traumas and tragedies and crazy things. And, you know, I've been through a lot of really hard things. And sometimes I just think, man, why do these things keep happening or why do I cause these things to happen? And then I think, well, they always turn into a course or a book or something, some chaos to, you know. I'm a collage artist for the most part. And that means you're taking pieces of things and and organizing them together. And so I do that um, literally on a canvas or in an art journal or or something like that. But I also do it with the pieces of my life, you know, the things that I've learned.
2: That's such an intriguing concept to me because I know that people use art to express themselves. Mm -hmm. And for you to take it a step further as a healing process. So how do you take... And use art to pull the chaos from your life and organize your life. How do you how do you bridge that? How does that work? Well,
3: it's it's interesting because a lot of people are intrigued by, you know, coming to one of my retreats or my or taking one of my online courses or one of my live courses. But they'll often say, well, I'm not creative or I'm not an artist, which for me, I have learned that I haven't met a person that that, that's true for. But but I know people believe that about themselves. Mm -hmm. When we're children, we don't overthink what creativity is. We just play. And so the first thing I have to do is get people to a place of safety where they feel okay to make, you know, and, and I have, you can't see, but I have air quotes, a mistake I don't really believe in mistakes in, in in creative processes. I think it's all part of the process. So getting people to a place where they feel comfortable to just play and and not be attached to a certain outcome because it's really not about the outcome. It's about the process. Um. So what? Wh- if you were to come to one of my courses, you would see that I, the first thing I would give you is a packet full of words that describe just about every human experience. And and they'll be more um they'll be more honed and, and tuned in and you know s- something in a, in a real niche. Like if you were coming to a course about forgiveness or about grief, then all these phrases would be things about, about that actual experience. And then what I ask people to do is just sit down and start cutting out everything that resonates with how you feel. And often people will be like, how how did you know this is exactly how I feel? I didn't know how to put this into words. And it's because the human experience is actually very similar. The, ex- the, the experiences are different. The feelings are similar. The, the processes that we go through are similar. And so I have just hundreds, thousands of pages probably Probably full of describing emotions or describing describing feelings and so people will sit down and they'll start to cut out these phrases and 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 these um, statements and then suddenly they're sitting there and they're like this is my story. And they see like, oh, my gosh, I have a story. And then we'll start to construct that into a collage. And then they'll use color and images and textures and everything to tell their story. And again, it's not I don't tell them that's what's happening or or they would overthink it. They would be like, well, I'm not doing this right. I just do one thing at a time. Pick something red, you know, out of all these things. I just, you know, when you come to one of my um, events, I just have scraps of everything and beautiful things and just little trays of things and i'll just say go around and pick everything that makes your heart beat fast and then i'll tell you what to do next and within a couple of hours i don't have to guide people anymore because suddenly they remember that they are a creative person i think all of us have to find something in our life that gets us into this flow state where we can't be distracted like where time we transcend time where time doesn't even exist and it's for some people it's dancing or exercising or cooking or sewing or or gardening or running or hiking. You know, this is one of those things that gets you into this state where all of a sudden you're so present with yourself that you don't think about your problems or you're, you're not overthinking anymore. And I think that is a state where you can finally start to hear yourself and what you actually want and who you actually are and start to get a sense of yourself. And so I've watched this happen so many thousands of times that I don't, um, I don't do anything but just bring people in and get them to start playing. And I I know what will happen from that point on. It's so beautiful. It's almost like scrapbooking on steroids. (laughs) Yeah. I actually I actually that's what that's one of my lives. I, I owned one of the biggest scrapbooking companies in the entire industry. I started when I was 25. I was a millionaire before I was 30. And so this whole storytelling aspect of my life purpose has evolved and evolved and evolved, you know, where used to be, you know, you take all these beautiful supplies and that's what I manufactured with supplies and I published books about how to tell your story and you know I was doing that in my 20s and my, in my 30s and and then my husband had a traumatic brain injury and we lost everything. We lost this multi-million dollar company we had and we we lost everything and that's when I started um a company to help people use their creativity to go through transitions because I my husband was out for 6 years. He was he was not able to function for 6 years. And so during that time, I started to use all of these creative things that, you know, these creative supplies that I had around to journal and, and just to work through that. And that w- that's what saved me through that, doing those that creative self-inquiry is what I call it. And and then I started, people would come and say, you know, I'm going through a depression or my spouse is going through a depression or whatever. And I'll say, try this project. And then they would come back and they would say, this helped me so much. And so then I started creating more. And then all of a sudden I had all these people coming to me. And so then I created a retreat around it. And then it just, it, again, exploded into a big worldwide company where, you know, I had, had online school And, you know, thousands of students from all over the world and everybody's just utilizing creativity to to heal and and to find themselves and to get clarity and to just relax and get into a state of wholeness, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. I know for me, I feel like that person who is like, I'm not creative. I don't know how to do that. And I've seen some of these books that people who have worked with you have created and they are magical. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about mixing different textures and things that you would never think of using in art. Or even saving. Like a lot of it, yes. people just throw in the garbage.
3: Yeah. Yes, and then just I've to create seen it that. into something so beautiful. There was a book I
2: saw that had like a, a Valentine's candy wrapper and it had been like cut and Tasted in a way that was just beautiful. Yep. And I thought, oh my goodness, even if that just had a special meaning to you yep. to save that and put it in such a beautiful way, like a treasure. So, what's just coming to me is that this type of therapy, would you call it therapy? Yeah,
3: definitely. Is that therapeutic practice?
2: Yeah. 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 If you have been in a very traumatic situation or are through a healing process, this type of therapy to me, I would be so drawn to this, even yes. though I don't feel very creative, more than having to talk about yes, it exactly. or review it or even the whole releasing. And I, there's so much value in those modalities. But to actually sit down and read a quote and say, oh, that. I, I like that I one yes. or that butterfly. I want that butterfly yeah. on my page. Right. Mm-hmm. So what have you seen? What what have you watched? for Well, people? you just
3: reminded me, uh, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, close to 10 years ago, I was part of a, a big um, women's initiative for Walmart, actually. And it just so happens I lived in Boise, Idaho at the time. And it just so happens that Boise, Idaho is one of the largest refugee destinations in the country. And so mm. I, I created a line of products for Walmart that refugees could assemble women refugees could assemble and then, you know, have an income. And so that part of that process, I got to do art art healing with refugees from 13 different countries. You know, we had people from many of the countries in Africa and um, the Middle East and, you know, places where they have been through war and horrible things. But one of the challenges of that was that I couldn't speak their language. Now we had interpreters with us. But one of the things I did was I decided to show them my personal story in images. And a lot of it was like stick figures showing the body language of like despair or excitement or running away. And so I gave them a book that had all the different colors and all the different materials. And then I sat down with them. I had a book and I told my whole life story without any words, just with images. And then I pointed at myself. I said, this is my story. Now you get to tell your story. Mm -hmm. And so for about two days, they all sat in my art barn and wrote their stories with images and color. And then we sat around for a couple of hours, three or four hours, and everyone got to tell their story. And it was one of the most moving, magical experiences I have ever been honored to be a part of because a lot of the parts of their story they told was I used to be an accountant, I used to be a teacher, I used to be a doctor, and now I'm a refugee, and now I'm in America, and people don't even know who I am. But this is actually who I am. I'm not just a refugee. You know, they showed the war that they had been through and then going into a refugee camp and waiting, you know, to be able to come to America and feeling so grateful. And so that was one of the times when, when I was like, you know what? Everybody wants to be known and they want to be heard and they want to be seen for who they actually are. Sometimes we We forget who we are. And so I I think even more than them having this beautiful experience of being able to show, tell their actual story was them being able to document their actual story and remember who they are. And so that's an extreme example. But when I'm um, having my retreats and people are going through this process, that's the exact thing that happens. They finally see like, oh, my goodness, I have a story. I have a story, like I have a hero's journey, all these things that I've been through, I'm, I don't feel shame about them uh, anymore. I, I feel heroic about those things. And so that's the beautiful thing that I get to witness is just watching people see who they are. It's not, again, it's not about the end product. It's about the process. It's about the process of being able to hear yourself and then be able to, you know, write out your story, but then, Another thing happens after that even where there where people have almost always have this discovery of like oh my goodness I just wrote my story which means I can continue to write my story mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to continue on and maybe I can even be more of a participant in what I'm going to create. And so a lot of my curriculum is about healing your past and, and making sense with it. And like I said, both figuratively and literally taking the pieces that might seem like garbage or might seem like they were a terrible thing that you wish never would happen and taking things like a wrapper, you know, like I said, literally and figuratively, like you thought that you had this garbage experience in your life and suddenly you're seeing it with new eyes. That's really what creativity is about is seeing things in a way that you've never seen them before and putting things together in a way that nobody's ever put them together before. All that creativity is, is creating something that didn't exist before you created it. So that's it. That's, that's what it is. So you do it all the time. I don't know what happens to people where they forget how to play make-believe and how to... That's really... That's how we manifest, you know? Like, every child is creative and then something happens to some of us along the way where we're like, oh, I'm not creative or I'm not an artist or whatever. We all have that within us. We're creating our lives every single day. So this is just really taking your hands and and looking right in front of you and watching yourself create something and realizing, oh my gosh, I created my whole life. I can create, I can continue to create my life and gives people hope and and puts them back on track. And I
2: feel like people want to tell their stories. They do. Right. I
3: mean, we all have a story.
2: Yes. All of us have a story. And I think people feel like telling my story has to be on a podcast, on a stage, right? Yep. So telling your story in this
3: form it just feels so empowering to really yeah. release that through creativity. It's also such a gift to the people who love you. You know, like there, there's a couple of things I'm thinking of as you're saying this. Um, one of them was my grandmother. Um, this is a long time ago. This is when I had my scrapbooking company. I would have her come over and scrapbook or whatever. I, my scrapbooking was very different than everybody else's. It was mostly about storytelling. It wasn't so much about the the doodads and stuff that you glue on. But she made a book and it was an ABC book, the ABCs and and she for every letter of the alphabet she chose a song that meant something in her life and told the story because she was a musician And that book is so precious, you know, and and that she told her story through songs that were meant something to her throughout her life. And that was really beautiful. another curriculum that I have for kids is called Soul Book for Kids. And and there have been a lot of schools and the Girl Scouts use it. And kids can go in and cut out how they feel and what they want to remember and what they wish they could remember and what they wish they could know. And they love it. These kids love it. There there have been a lot of schools that use it after school shootings. And I donate it to schools so that they can you know, bring the kids together and do an activity. But what happens is parents or teachers will read these books that these kids have made and they'll have no idea that that's how those kids felt. And there's a whole guidebook about how to have the conversation with the kids after they make your book. Like, you don't want to freak out and make them not want to share again. Just say things like, tell me more about this. Like, you know, I've had so many parents say, I had no idea that's how my child felt. I had no idea. What Something I've learned is kids have such more complex ideas and thoughts than we, Think they do? They're they're thinking, and they and they have feelings and ideas and questions. And and if we can find a way for them to put that into words, and and then create this conversation, that there's kind of, it's almost like the little book is like the mediator between it. You know, you're focusing on this book, and so you don't have to have this weird awkwardness between you. You can just like, just tell me more about your book that you made. You know? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing.
2: Yeah. And actually to have something tangible. I think yeah. right now in this world where everything screens and yep. digital, it's easier yes. to just have it all on the screen, push a button, but to have an actual book or a, a series of cards or things
3: in your hands yep. to show and then, yeah, have that be a topic of conversation. Yeah. that And that's that's another thing, this, this idea of permanence in such an impermanent world, you know, like even when people are making, you know, reels and things like that, like there's things that we put a lot of time into and then they go away just like that. And yeah. to have and the, and like you said, they're they're virtual rather than tactile to have something that's that's yours. We make these big, chunky books out of cardboard. And so it's just they're so substantial. And it, and just like you said, like people think they have to tell their story. They have to be famous or something to tell their story. But everyone, everyone has a story and everyone's story is so worthy of being in a book. You know, and, and when you can tell your story from your perspective, So many people have not been able to tell their side of the story too their side of the story of things they've been through. And that's very, very healing for people because sometimes maybe a story has been told throughout the generations in a family or a story has been told of a trauma, but the person who actually went through it has never been able to tell their side of the story. And that's so, so healing for people to be able to do it.
2: because maybe they weren't brave enough or maybe they were told not to tell their story or not to share and we just don't know, right? Okay, so let's talk about labels because I know that's a big message for you is to help people express and to drop the labels. So tell me a little bit about that.
3: Well, I this whole idea of of labeling yourself. I I watched this. I have have several curriculum curricula that addresses this, but this has been the 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 whole the basis of of everything. After you know, after being in this career for almost thirty years, I'm I'm like this is what this is about. It's about thinking. And this is just for me. And and maybe this will resonate with a lot of people. And I've watched this resonate with my students and, and a lot of people I know that we, we think that when something happens, it labels us and, and whether that's good or bad. And, and and often things that took maybe less than a year, we we often take those on as a label for our entire life or maybe something that happened in 10 minutes. You know, wh- whether it's a trauma or a success, we, th- we think we have to keep living up to it. When we are going through these artistic processes and people are either telling a story from their life or the story of their life, it's interesting to see how. And I'm just going to speak from my own experience, how much at first we think we are something that's set in stone. And as you start to tell your story, you're like, that was just an experience that I had. That's not who I am. And so my wish for everybody is that you allow yourself to even be open to the possibility that you don't have to be what you've always been, whether that's a good label what you term a good label, a successful label, or whether that's a label that you put on yourself or others put on you of something that you're ashamed of, that's that's failure. The more I live and the longer I do this work, I see that we're just souls in bodies having experiences. And when I see people that are stuck, it's typically because they are like, they've got a death grip on a label that they worked really hard for. And, and I'm talking both ways. They worked either really hard for a label of trauma you know, or a label of success. And all of those things are valid and they're real, very, very real experiences. But I feel like we don't grow and set ourselves free until we like take the the goo gone and pour it all over ourselves and Mm -hmm. rip off every single label that we've ever been given or given to ourselves and decide, you know what, I'm just going to decide what I want to do next free of what I already did. You know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this this process of um, doing this art healing really takes you to that place. Again, you know, y- you write your, your sto- the story of your past, and you see that you get to write the story of your future, and it just needs to be without these predetermined. I am this. You know, I like I said, I was a millionaire before I was thirty. And then my husband had an accident and we lost everything and I was broke. And then I built another international multi-million-dollar company. And then some really horrible things happened and I lost that. And I mean, three years ago, I was broke and I lived in an RV. When I moved to St. George, I didn't even have a home. We hardly had any belongings. And I started again. And so I've had to learn this lesson of how much my labels hold me back even the good ones even the ones like i said that i worked really really hard for like what if what if i don't want to be that anymore what if i don't want to do that anymore what if that's not working for me anymore i never thought i would not live in idaho my husband needed to be somewhere sunny for his health after his brain injury. And I can't believe how how horrible and sad it would be if I had told myself I will always live in Idaho and I would have stayed there because the the most magical, wonderful things have happened for me in my life and in my heart and in my soul over the last four years since I thought it was all over for me. You know, the labels I was affixing all over myself were like failure and you lost everything again. And you know, I was covered in labels, and I had to learn again, like to just get in that fire and let those labels burn off and see what's left. You know, and then I started again making things from the scraps of my life. What happened was I ended up losing my company during the pandemic. and then i um I didn't have my email list. I had I had a business partner that just closed the whole company down, and I didn't have my email list. I all my social media accounts got shut down and everything. And so I couldn't even contact my own my own following of the last 25 years, but people started looking for me and they started telling me what my work meant to them. And the, the people that were looking for me the most were saying, the world needs your work right now. Like people are suffering so much through this pandemic. Will you please at least certify me to be able to share your work? So I had all these therapists and yoga teachers and all sorts of people reaching out to me, like in this massive amount of people saying, I want to be certified in your to teach your curriculum. And so me losing my retreat center and the place where I was bringing all these people together facilitated this new way where now I have 200 people across the world that are certified to teach my curriculum. And that's who I spend time with. And so the curriculum and all of this is spreading much faster than I ever could have done it alone. But I couldn't have known that when all of a sudden my life blew up again, you know, so I, I really, really value freedom. And I think you can't, you can't be free with labels. Mm hmm. I love that. And I think when we're in a process of
2: healing, and I've said this before, we naturally are drawn to the people that have been through yes. the hard stuff. Because yes. yeah. I want to learn. I don't want to learn from the person that's a multimillionaire for 40 years and has never suffered, you know, things that they could relate to me about.
3: Or they read about suffering in a book. They're like, oh, I've studied suffering extensively. But, but you know, you know when someone has actually suffered, yeah. you know, instead of learned about suffering, you know. Yes,
2: it's that authentic connection and I don't care what degree you have or do you know what I mean it's like I want to connect with someone who's been in the depths where I am right now and I want to know how to get through that and get out of that and there's so many modalities available right now but I always tell my kids I always tell my kids because my kids are screen kids they are always on I I think most kids are now but I always say to them you just wait because when the power goes out and you can't charge that what do you have and so to have something (laughs) It's like I won't have my reels or my social media or my games. What will I have? This is why I love your modality because it's so valuable to tangibly have something in your hands. And it's like when the power goes out, I still have this therapy that I went through that I have this result I have this tool and I have the ability to keep doing it or to remember how it was for me. So I'm going to pull out my supplies. I'm yep. going to save the cereal box, you yep, know what I mean? Exactly. And I'm going to
3: do those things. It's so valuable. So valuable. Well, that's that's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, this whole idea that you're healing and your what what you want most is outside of you, I think is what causes the most amount of suffering. So even, you know, we, like I'm, I'm I'm as addicted to my phone and my and my laptop as everybody else. But what I do know is that I have a a very true friend within, you know, and that takes some development. It takes some development Mm -hmm. for your child self to trust you enough to come out to play. And so Mm -hmm. there's a transitional period where it's very uncomfortable. Because we get addicted to this outside, the outside stimulus. You know, when that's that's the thing I love about. I, I sort of I call it kind of like I trick people into getting into this mode because I'm like, okay, now just do this. Now do this, and they're like, okay. And <laughs> and then all of a sudden I turn on music, and they're just set free. Just like yeah. just like when you let the kid go on their bike after the training wheels, they don't even know like you're doing this all by yourself. And two hours have gone by, and three hours have gone by, and I don't say something like, see, you are creative. I don't say anything because then they're gonna argue with me. No, I'm not. Well, I'm just watching them and they're and they're watching themselves. So I think it's super important um, to feel secure and to eliminate the sense of anxiety that seems to be the real even bigger pandemic. I feel like <laughs> this epidemic of absolute anxiety that I see everybody in to learn how to be alone with yourself, you Mm -hmm. know, with, you know, like you said, what if you didn't have screens, learn how to be okay. If you don't have the relationships that you once had, or you don't have all of this overstimulation, constantly keeping your brain occupied, like learn how to occupy yourself in a really, really meaningful way. And, and not just make it something that gives you more anxiety when you're alone, but something you actually look forward to, like be your friend, be your own best friend that you really, really look forward to spending time With that friend and the way you do that is uh, the cultivation of hearing yourself and knowing yourself and being with yourself and loving yourself.
2: Yeah. And I'm going to go and work on my art projects like I could see that being so beautiful. Yeah. Right. I'm going to go be with myself and go work on this. OK. I know that one of our greatest struggles, especially with anxiety, is what other people think of us. Yeah. I mean, it's everywhere. Yep. I want to feel good enough. I want to feel valued. I want to be validated. And what other people say and do about us influence us So much. So how does this and you kind of already answered this a little bit, but how does this type of therapy help you really come into yourself and turn off other people?
3: Well, it's it's interesting because it it might not be what you think. It's when you go in and and you spend this time to have so much self-inquiry and you learn to know yourself, you start realizing that when you have judgmental thoughts about others or you're even thinking about others. It's it doesn't even have anything to do with the other people. You know, you, you when you're going in and you're being really honest with yourself, you realize, oh, my goodness, like when I'm when I'm thinking these negative thoughts and the, these anxious thoughts and I'm judging other people and I'm talking about other people, it's typically because of my own insecurity. So that then translates into and, and, and it doesn't it's not always this simplistic and this high level thinking, but. When you're doing a lot of self-inquiry, you realize that the human condition is so much about projection. And so you realize that when people are saying or judging or have, you know, labeling you that you, you realize from doing your own soul work that this doesn't have anything to do with you. It has to do with them. And so, I think what happens is you become more compassionate toward yourself, and, and then that automatically translates into becoming more compassionate about others. The other thing is when you get into that flow state where you're just with yourself and it's, it's like timeless, it's like, you know, five hours could go by and you would think it was 20 minutes. You really stop caring about what other people think because it feels so good and it becomes a neurochemical addiction i know you guys have had wes taylor on the show and he's a really good friend of mine and his wife is him and his wife are both certified to teach my curriculum and he has watched so many times people doing the cut and paste journaling and he'll say let me tell you what's happening from a neuro- neurochemical standpoint he's like there's so many dopamine hits doing this like when you find the exact right phrase or the exact right word or the exact right color dopamine hit you know, you start to know yourself and you become addicted to something different than the things that give you anxiety. And also when you're done, like, like we do a lot of things that create a lot of dopamine. But when we're done doing those things, we don't feel self-respect. We feel shame. So when you're doing something that uh, gives you a lot of uh, gives you a lot of dopamine and serotonin, and all the good chemicals. And when you're done, you feel absolute self-respect and every time you look at that physical thing that you just created, your brain goes back to those feelings. Your brain automatically wants to return to it. And then you have this tangible thing that you can look through that's an anchor to take you right back to those neurochemical feelings again. And doing it as a group is another is another whole, you, like doing it alone is wonderful, but doing it as a group is another whole healing process because you're seeing, typically I have groups of people that are very diverse. They're, they believe different ways, but we have rules of, we don't talk about religion, politics, sexuality, pandemics, masks, like we don't talk about anything except when when you come to one of my events, you agree, we are souls having a human experience. And that's the only thing that's where we're going to meet each other. We're not going to talk about what we do for a living. We're not going to talk about any anything that could ever create any kind of um, boxes to put people in. And so when we're making these projects that are so personal, and then we sit down and everybody shares them, just like I told you about with our refugee group. And everybody gets to tell their story you realize oh my gosh like we're all so much the same and it's another level of compassion and then everybody makes everybody gets close and, and they and they become very good friends and so then they go home and they start connecting with each other and they're like oh my gosh she's a democrat she's a republican and we still love each other or she goes to this church and they didn't know, the things they didn't know about each other they find out about each other and they just laugh and they're like well i guess i already love you i don't care about all that kind of stuff so that it eliminates even the thought of like what are people thinking about me or whatever because it it just it takes your thinking to a different place than that that's that's how it takes care of that it's so beautiful yeah
2: it's so beautiful that you create this space For them to not have a box yeah to be in that safe space of just creation and just
3: being just being who you are you know and letting everyone else just be who they are that's the thing is i get to witness miraculous transformations and rediscovery and connections that don't normally happen in this world between people who are supposed to not not respect or love each other you know i watch these things happen because they started with how are we similar instead of how are we different and so by the time they get to the place where they figure out how they're different they don't even care about their differences. And they would, they would stick up for each other's rights, even if they don't believe the same way, because they love each other and they care about each other and they don't go around and gossip and talk about each other. I think when you have enough people in your life that love you for how you are, it doesn't matter. I don't know. I think it just, if you have the right kinds of people in your life and you love yourself enough and you've, you've really gone through and told yourself your own story, you just don't care about what other people think. At least that's been my experience. Mm -hmm. Kind of the more that you go through, the more you give yourself grace. Yes, exactly.
2: Yeah. And then the more you can give others grace. Yes, exactly. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But that's not to say like this today, like I'm like having like a confidence crisis. I mean, I just think it's part of the human condition. (laughs) I think every time we do something new, which is everything is new these days because the world is just flipped upside down. Yeah. We go through that. What if I fail? What are people going to think? Like I have failed so many times and I've really gotten down on myself about that. But I think the more you do in life and the more you try, the more you're going to fail. And so th- so I started retelling that story and that I've failed all these times because I've done millions of things. And if I look at just the averages of like what happens when you try something new, you fail, you fail, you fail until until you don't, you know, and because I've done so many things, I've had so many failures. And so sometimes I think, man, here, you know, what if I fail again? and people are going to see me fail again. But what I really know is the people who I love and respect are going to be proud of me for trying and they're not going to see it as a failure. They're going to be like, oh, she's trying something else again. She got back up again, you know, yeah. just like I think about it, people. There she is getting back up again, Yeah, bloody and everything. She's getting back up she's and getting, getting going back up. again. Yeah, she's getting back up. Yeah, yeah.
2: And you are such a beautiful example of that and just helping so many people. Okay, I remember several months ago, you shared a post on Facebook because I follow you, and it's raining. We're yeah. having a big storm I kind right of now. Love that. And I'm going, <laughs> <a roster> <laughs> sound. <laughs> That's kind of cool. So we have kind of uh, some sound going on. <laughs> but I remember you posted a post, it was I think it was like an anniversary for you from releasing your very first book. Yeah. And there was a picture of you. You were so oh, young. Yeah? You were so young. <laughs> yes, you I was. in like your twenties, right? <laughs> I was, yeah, I was twenty five. And you got you're like, I got all dressed up and I, I wrote
3: got, my first book and I was at my book signing and I didn't sell any books. No. Not one person came. Yeah, that uh, picture showed up. I was I was going through and cleaning out my Dropbox and everything. In, the, in that, no, no. What happened was I had to go find that in my Dropbox because I just opened a gallery, and that was really scary. I was like, I live in this new town. I opened up an art gallery with my couple of my friends, and what if nobody shows up? And then I, when I I was talking to Cami, and she she's one of my partners in the art gallery, and she's like, what if we just make this a buddy day? What if we just make it a friend day? And and of course, people showed up, and it was and it was beautiful. But I remembered that day when I was 25 years old and I put everything on the line to write this little book and I went and got it published at Kinko's. Remember Kinko's? Like mm-hmm. I like self-published it mm-hmm. and I, not one person came, you know, and I, I remember I bought this like overall, this denim overall dress and I got my nails done for the first time. <laughs> and like, I, I really thought this big thing was going to happen that was just going to launch me into everything I ever wanted. And not one person showed up. And it was humiliating. It really was. And I and I I was embarrassed and humiliated and I and I wanted to give up and I didn't. And then a magazine picked up my found my book and picked it up. And I ended up selling 600,000 copies of that book in like right after that within a year. And that launched everything. But I I was just thinking about that girl, that 25 year old girl. You know, I had three little kids. I'd never done anything like that. I had to even learn how to use a computer. I did my my if anybody knows old computer programs. I used Microsoft Publisher to write this (laughs) book. I had to learn how to do all this (laughs) stuff. I had to borrow someone's computer to be able to write my book. And I am so grateful to that gritty kid who kept going, even though it was absolutely humiliating. I can't even tell you, I could write an entire book about all the times I've been humiliated. I think that is so much of success is being willing to suck. And to suck in front of people, and the more you know, with all this social media and all of our lives are so public. And if you're, and if you're like me, like I, I was public before Facebook. You know, like I was blogging, but way back when blogs first started, and I was very. And then you know, when my husband had his accident, and we, we were in a lot of magazines and a lot of TV shows, and people have been following our life, and so I have had to fail, fall on my face, and be so humiliated in front of thousands and you know I used to have a couple hundred thousand followers before I got erased off the internet in 2020 <laughs> but but having to try things and fail in front of people over and over and over again you can really tell yourself a story that I am just a huge mess up like I'm just one big failure but again why don't I tell myself the story that I just tried another big thing because when I do stuff I do it big so that means when I when I fail I fail big I fail in epic proportions like like And that's something I'm super freaking proud of myself for—is being willing to fail in front of everybody. I was just gonna say
2: that's inspiring. I know that probably sounds counterintuitive. No, but but I'm inspired by that with
3: people too. I'm totally inspired. And not like and not like standing up and brushing your hair and putting on your lipstick and smiling like I'm fine, nothing happened. Like Mm -hmm. I like I've always been one to stand up and go. That freaking sucked and I'm sorry to everybody that I might have hurt through this. I that wasn't my intention and I've just failed again. You know, and sometimes it takes me a few months to lick my wounds and get to a place where I can even talk about it. But I've learned that the one of the most loving acts I can do is just say it. Just say it. That Mm -hmm. didn't work. You know, like just own it. I'm gonna try again. Yeah, you know, try something better, or some not something better, something new. I'm gonna try it a new way. And succeed bigger. And yeah, like my life, if you looked at it on paper and you looked at it from like uh, the perspective of like the American dream or whatever, I look like my life has made a huge downgrade. And for me, it's made an enormous upgrade, even Mm -hmm. though on paper, it looks like a downgrade. Like I just about ran myself into the ground with how hard I was working. And like I said, now I'm a one woman show. And I live in a little house. I used to live on a big property, a beautiful retreat center. And I used to, you know, have all the things. Now I just I live in a little rental with my husband and I love my life. I feel more successful than I've ever felt in my life because it's on my terms. Mm -hmm. And I'm not I'm not trying to climb the ladder to this place that society tells you like the gives you the label of, of success. I'm defining my own success. I feel healthy. I feel alive. I feel in integrity. I feel, I feel awake. You know, I don't have to numb myself out to tolerate my own life. Whenever you find yourself numbing yourself so that you can tolerate just getting up and going, that's a time to have some serious self-inquiry. Why do I feel like I have to numb my life to tolerate it? I don't want to live a life that I have to tolerate. I want to live a life that I jump out of bed and just go, okay, this is going to be fun. What am I going to do today? Or how am I going to figure this out? You know, still I have, I have rough days, but I don't I don't want that to become a habit where I have to get up and do something just to make it through the day and then do that again tomorrow. And I know that's what's coming. Yeah. I don't want that for anybody.
2: And again, that's inspiring. I think that's what we all want is to be safe in our own self, in our environment, in our relationships. And... Yeah, even
3: if it look doesn't look like success to somebody else, yeah, you it's... have to be willing to go, this is success to me yeah. and even have people go, yeah, she says that, but she's just a loser and she's given up. You're <laughs> like, okay. If that's, that's what you think, yeah. you know, but yeah. my adrenals are finally healthy again and I, I feel self-respect every time I go to sleep at night. I always tell people, do the thing every day, every minute of every day, do the next thing that you know when you're going to sleep tonight, you're going to feel self-respect. What's going to lead to me feeling self-respect? That's, that's how I make my decisions. I, I'm like, will I respect myself tonight when I'm going to sleep if I do this or if I don't do this? Yeah. I, even above self-love and self-care, I, I really focus on self-respect. So beautiful. Okay, so how do we learn from you if we want to learn this art therapy? Most of my courses are in my um, online academy. It's called Soul Road Academy, SoulRoadAcademy.com. Also, my certification, which is really what I'm what I'm mostly focusing on right now. So you'll see that on my website. I have a website called MelodyRossMedia.com that'll kind of tell you most of what I do. I also have lots and lots of books on Amazon, so you can just go search Melody Ross. You
2: do. You have tons of yeah. those books. I was. <laughs> (laughs) looking the other day and I was like I want this one and I want this one and because they're beautiful they're like scrapbooks but they've got the words and they've got pages
3: that are
2: I just oh they so beautiful.
3: I typically will just create a book that I need and and then I'll tell people like I needed this and I couldn't find it so I made it and a lot of them are resource books like you said like I have books full of letters to cut out you know to do your cut and paste journaling. I have a memoir called 50 Roads to the Middle of My Life that tells about when we left everything behind and moved into an RV and that's that's been a great book I get so many letters about that from people that are in a transition I am just really raw about what this is like to to leave this big successful in the eyes of others life behind and move into an old RV and not really know where you're going you know that was a that was a brave act and and so I wrote all the way through it and and then I have I you know I have some just inspirational books and things like that so you can find my books and um if you want to do some art healing courses like I said those are in Soul Road Academy and then I have um, retreats every so often and then I get, you know, my friends together like you to come over and make art as often as I can get people to do it. I know. And I, <laughs> I love it. So
2: I you kind of already touched upon this, but therapists can come and yeah. learn this
3: therapy and add it to yes. what they're already yep. creating. Yeah. So can you talk therapist. a little bit about that? Well, this started because I started getting letters from therapists that would say I don't know what happened when my client came to your retreat but they have made massive amounts of progress. I want to know what you're doing. And so I started I started having I started telling therapists about it and they're the ones that actually said can I get certified to teach your curriculum? So I put together a bunch of workbooks and all of my teaching methods, both online and in workbooks, and they just come for a week. Well, it's it ta- it's probably, I don't know, 50 hours of um, pre-education of videos that I've created. And then they have access to teach all 50 of my courses and, and they can teach them too, to their clients or have retreats. I have therapists that are actually having week-long retreats like I used to have with my course that's called Soul Restoration. That's the one I would recommend to anybody that feels like they need healing is to go, you know, go on to Soul Road Academy and take Soul Restoration. I've, I feel like every single person on the planet needs to take that course. Does that
2: answer your question? Yes, it's just—it's <laughs> so beautiful the way it's just expanding. It's yeah. like you're like I'm a one-woman show, but yeah. you are literally branching
3: and reaching so yeah, many people. It's, it's well, so one of the one of our things we say as a group, as a sort of the certified instructor group, is we are in a circle, not in a triangle. And so I'm in the circle with all these women as a peer, which is a wonderful thing to to go from being the leader because that's a really lonely place when everyone sees you as a leader of a movement, and I was that for decades. You know that's how people labeled me and saw me but it was a very lonely place and so when I when I started creating this certification I said you guys we're peers and we're in a circle and there's I don't even believe in this hierarchical system of you know like trying to get to the top of something I think if we as a society decided we were all going to be in circles and we're going to take turns being in charge and we're going to take turns helping each other and things like that so that's what's super fun is just being with all these people that want to help others you know we, we have zoom calls every week and we we take turns teaching each other and we have retreats we have retreats on zoom every week that we're just practicing but we're all getting something out of it and the most wonderful human beings you could ever imagine you know people that want to help and want to help people you know get back in touch with their creativity and back in touch with themselves so it's it's like i love where my life led me to this place where i'm showing people how i did what i did and then i'm watching them do it and i get to be part of them doing it it's just like Sometimes my face hurts from smiling so much. (laughs) And you do. You are the most beautiful, colorful person.
2: You have such a light, bright energy about you that I'm just drawn to you. And like I said, I'm not a very creative person, but I was like, I want to learn from Melody. I want to do those things that Melody does because they're just it's so beautiful to see these creations. Thank you. Okay, any final thoughts or messages that that you'd like to share with us?
3: Well, I guess just hang on and, and know that if things haven't worked out, it's they're not done yet. And that's that's something that it, you know, there's a quote that says, Some there there will come a time when you believe that you've reached the end. That will be the beginning. Mm-hmm. And and that's I think that's a Louis Lamar quote that I love so much. I think that this world has shaken up, and so it's shaken up a lot of people's lives. And a lot of people think the best thing they ever experienced is over now, and they don't think anything good is gonna come. And so my my wish for everybody would be that you just hang on until this this chaos turns into something extraordinary that you never could have imagined. And you can participate in that by looking around and seeing things with new eyes. Like, what can I do with what I have left? Sometimes all you have left is your story of what you've been through. And, mm-hmm. and that's been my case so many times. But my story has been the very thing that has propelled me to all the places that I want to go, even when it was, there were parts of my story I was ashamed of, those ended up being the most profound parts of it. And I'm sure that that's true about most people. So anybody that's in that place right now where they're just like, I built this and I built this and and now it's gone and, and this is not fair and it sucks and I'm full of despair, hang on. It's it's headed somewhere and, it's, and it might end up being the greatest thing that ever happened to you.
2: So beautiful.
3: Thank you so much <laughs> yes. for being with us today. So fun.
0: Hey, we would love to connect with you. We believe that community and relationships are a vital element. And when you're doing the work, sometimes it can feel lonely. It doesn't have to be. You can join us on our Seven Elements of Wellness private Facebook group. This is a group where you'll get ideas, be able to ask questions, and find the support of a like minded community. You can also find us on Instagram as Seven Elements of Wellness. This is where you'll find out about upcoming events, look for inspiration, motivational quotes, and a lot of shares. Make
1: sure to check out our website at 7 elementsawellnesscom Here you can learn more about our mission and connect with our sponsors. You can purchase merchandise and get the latest on local and live streamed events. Are you guys down for a challenge? We got you covered. Head over to the website for all your challenge info, purchase a lifestyle kit, or download your free checklist.
0: If you'd like to create your own seven elements of wellness community where you live, reach out to us. We'd love to help you get it started.
2: The 7 Elements of Wellness podcast is created and produced entirely by volunteers who are passionate about sharing this message and assisting you on your journey to feel good more than you don't. If you would like to contribute to helping us continue to bring amazing content through this podcast and community events, we would love your support. You can find us on Venmo under our business account at Life Integrated. Any donation is so greatly appreciated and we thank you so much.